Welcome to TV Plus Talk. I'm Chuck Joyner, and she is... I'm Charlotte Henry. It's nice to see you again, Chuck. Good to see you as always, Charlotte. I really do look forward to these because it seems like each month, Apple TV Plus seems to rise up into the headlines with something that we have to discuss. I mean, it's true. It's gone from being this kind of nothingy, everyone thought it was a bit weird streaming service to over, okay, it's been four years now, but now there always seems to be big stories and big shows to talk about and big directors who are part of it. So should we start with Ridley Scott? So you know my bugbear of, you know my bugbear of very long movies. You know, we've discussed this and we'll discuss it a couple of times in the show. So Ridley Scott has decided it's acceptable to release a four hour cut of his movie Napoleon on Apple TV+. Plus. Chuck, this is not acceptable. <laughs> I mean, I prefer it that it's in a streaming service where you can, like, break and make a snack and go to the bathroom. But really, I'm just not, like, no, why? Why? Do some editing. <laughs> and and I'm, I have, I, I may be a little bit different than you because if if the story yeah, is... Yeah, you have a concentration enough, span and patience. Well, no, not, no, not, oh, my gosh, no, nobody's ever accused me of that. Um I, but I think you just said it. It's a it's a what a seven hour cut, I believe, as opposed to whatever. Well, it's gonna, four hours. I mean, it's, it's four. Okay, four it's hour four. Cut, release. Four hour cut. So all right. Oh, so as long seven. as you're going to release a a a smaller, shorter cut that is for general consumption, and then if you want to indulge yourself, and especially on a streaming service, hey, why not? You know, because there may be people that are just that much into it. <laughs> Look, there's always been in the DVD era, there was always people that would buy the extra cut of, um, you know, all sorts of movies on the DVD, wouldn't they? You know, big, big fans. So you're right. Like, no one's forcing you to watch it. If it's on a streaming service, you can pause it as you wish. You can watch it in four one-hour chunks if you want. Make it like the David Beckham documentary on Netflix and split it up. I totally get that. I just think as a general rule, directors are just getting too grandiose and losing their ability to edit and no one is saying no and no one's saying actually you should probably put this into two and a half hours or even dare I suggest it under two hours can you imagine (laughs) such a thing I think it's an interesting situation we have right now Charlotte because we have this attention span issue that you were joking about of course I think you were joking um but but oh no my attention span is terrible yeah, well, in, in media, in, in written articles on the web, uh, or in text articles, I mm. guess is the proper way to refer to it, you know, we, we okay, mm. and we have this too long, don't read thing that goes on. And, and <laughs> look, at some point, you can only cut down so much before you start cutting into content, to meaning, into meat and, and to the bone. And so, you know, I think mm. it's an interesting experiment, and I feel like it's one that's going to fall flat if it's not done well. If they, if they mm. release too many of these four-hour cuts and they are terrible, nobody's going to watch it. Nobody's even going to give them a chance. It, what's really interesting about this, and it will lead us in a moment to our next subject, which is this is our friends at 9to5Mac, uh, Ben Mayer specifically pointed out that this is a second kind of big blockbuster movie that apple will be putting into theaters and then doing this putting it onto tv plus again 
very long cut of it. Uh, the other one is obviously Killers of the Flower Moon. But I think that's really interesting. I mean, the stat Ben talks about on his post, which we'll link to in the show notes, is that it's spending a billion pound dollars at each year on blockbusters. That's a huge amount of money. Even for Apple, that's a lot of money. And so obviously it's trying to get as much for its bang for its buck as it is. But uh, Napoleon, by the way, is set to go into theatres on November the 22nd. So, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that Chuck maybe will sit through it for four, however long in the cinema. I definitely am not. Um, but we'll be able to know something about it probably next time you and I speak. This is a big part of Apple's strategy now. So, correct, correct me, is the four-hour cut going into theatres? That not, that's not my understanding. I think the four-hour cut is... The point is that's going on TV Plus. That's a treat for TV Plus viewers. That was my understanding too. And so... Yeah. that's the, I mean, So the... The runtime is two hours 38 in the theatre and four hours plus on TV+. And I have a hard time seeing anyone sit for four hours in a movie theatre where, as you said, you don't have the opportunity to pause, to get up, take a break, whatever. That doesn't track. Um, I mean, even the superhero <laughs> movies that they've tried, the, the longer cuts, have drawn so much fire. And so, yeah, if for the fans that want it, release it on streaming or release it on, on DVD, even though DVDs are probably more or less dead, and I guess it's Blu-ray, and even those are mm -hmm. in question. But at least you have an option. As, and as you said, there are people out there who crave more of whatever it is. Napoleon? Well, okay, you've slightly, shifted, you've slightly shifted my view. Two hours 38 in the cinema, I think, is slightly pushing your luck, but it's not totally crazy you know there's nfl games that last less than longer than that each weekend that people sit through and enjoy so okay okay and at least he's making use you could argue of the digital platform by having the extended cut just on there and that is fair enough i suppose i just find i've told you about this but i just find something about the whole like look at my genius over multiple hours of course you want to dedicate half your waking hours or something, maybe slightly less, to watching my work. Like, I think a little bit of humility and a little bit of editing prowess across the movie industry wouldn't go amiss. I think there's also an argument, frankly, that this is a bit of a coup for Apple because there will be people who will be very into seeing a Ridley Scott director's cut and will consider taking out TV Plus to be able to see it. Interesting. I, I really had not taken it from, I guess, the producer's ego standpoint. I'm, I'm, I tend to look at it more as from the story standpoint. If the story can be, yeah, but you see, story, I don't think they're doing it from that. Well, uh, you know, I, let's put it this way: I'm, I'm much more likely to watch four hours of a Ridley Scott directed movie than I am of, you know, Joe Smith from down the street. So, <laughs> yeah, they're they're probably. You know, leveraging that. Same thing with Scorsese. Sure. Uh, yeah, I just think there's an element of like, okay, let me put it this way to you, Chuck. How many times have you gone into a movie that's two and a half, three hours long, and there's been a section, about half an hour section or so, where you're like, I didn't need this. This could have gone. Uh, I think it happens quite a, a lot. A fair amount. A fair amount. I, I would yeah, agree with you. That's really but, my point. 
But you know what? I see that on TV shows. I see that on hour and, and a half movies. 100%. Where, you know, it's 100%. like, okay, you, you're right. It, it starts to drag or you don't need it or it's a distraction. And so and, – and if if I'm sitting there getting bored thinking I don't need this, you've probably pretty much lost me. Yeah. Uh, but fair play to Apple. It's another big, big, big-name director on the platform, isn't it? So you mentioned Martin Scorsese and we should jump to that. We finally – Killers of the Flamin is finally in theatres, Chuck. It's real. Um, I've been teasing it all this time after about four years or whatever it is about it but it is here now people have actually seen it in real life in commercial theater showings so some interesting stuff here from uh the wake up which is part of the ankler um it's a very good newsletter for people in you know inside a hollywood newsletter um some interesting data points i think you would like 53 percent of the people said they attended in a survey said they attended kids of the flower moon due to martin scorsese um 48% 48% said it was for the plot, which is interesting. 36% said Leonardo DiCaprio was a factor. Um, what struck me is, so opening weekend, it made $23 million, $44 million globally. It was absolutely annihilated by Taylor Swift. <laughs> what hasn't? Um, and this is week two. Uh, so... It's, Tyler Swift seems to make, if I get the numbers right, it's about 31 million. I think I think it's made $131 million. I don't know. Whichever way you look at the numbers, Taylor Swift, even in the second week of the Eras Tour movie being out, which is, let's be fair, a very long movie. It's the length of a concert. Absolutely annihilated Apple's big blockbuster. Does that Oops. surprise you? <laughs> I'm not in the slightest. I would rather, I don't, I'm not even a, Taylor Swift fan at all, but I'd probably rather go and have a dance to that than uh, sit through three and hours twenty six of Killers of the Flower Moon in one go. Well, I, I, I you know, I, I, I was not surprised. Oh no, I've just said all. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. Are we going to yeah. get the Swifties on us? No, oh no, no, no. I mean, listen, I have not seen the movie. I don't plan to see the movie unless it's it's forced upon me. Stop it! They're going to come after us, Chuck. They're coming after us. Well, that's okay. They 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 know where to find me, um, but. <laughs> I, you know, I look at Killers of the Flower Moon, and I feel like this, even when it was first announced, it's it's a it sounds like a compelling story, but it's not one of those that is going to have broad market appeal. Now, the article you mentioned says some very interesting things about the age groups and the demographics of the people who attended. Mm. I I think week two is going to be really interesting because I think that's going to be it's it's either going to drop off sharply. And that's going to really tell the tale of it, or it it may coast along for a little while. Um, and if it coasts along, then all the better. I don't think so. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think. It doesn't feel like a coasting type movie. No, and I don't feel like this is a a, 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 a a movie that, in spite of Scorsese and all and Leo and all the star power in it, that is going to have a wide appeal. I think it'll get a, a lot better play mm. on on Apple TV, but. To go and you know and pull out a a twenty dollar bill or pull out your credit card and designate time the in rest. my life to go and sit, I don't see this as mm. one of those that I'm going to do that for. Yeah, you've raised actually quite a lot of points I want to pick up on. One, you talked about you know 
Is it going to lose traction? And I think a key thing there will be there'll be a certain point in the not too distant future where people go, oh, I've already got TV Plus. It's going to be on TV Plus next weekend. I'll just wait and watch it on TV Plus. I think that will happen because, you know, I don't think it's been that long away that we see it move onto Apple TV Plus. I think the demographic stuff is very interesting. Now, I've got some data points on that from the wake up that I'll, I'll break down for you. That there's another point which is this point you made about star power. And, of course, the actor's strike has not been resolved. The writer's strike has, but the actor's one hasn't. And that basically means that those stars in Killers of the Flower Moon cannot go and do promo. I think Scorsese can because there's no director strike. But Leonardo DiCaprio and co. cannot. I've actually seen it's interesting. I saw him on the front of a glossy magazine, and I don't know when that would have been done. But and it came out, you know, that was obviously promo for killers. But beyond that, you know, they can't do talk shows, they cannot, you know, get on every podcast, they cannot be everywhere like you would have Apple would have hoped they were when they signed up, spent goodness knows how much on this film. And the actor strike has still not been resolved, and so actors are not allowed to go and promote pre existing work, never mind shoot new work it's a huge huge issue so question for you charlotte does mm-hmm. let's say uh leo appears on i'm not sure what a popular morning show might be in the uk but um sure i don't think that, any of those shows would get leonardo DiCaprio. i'm thinking this may be at best the friday night saturday night shows uh, okay well friday night saturday night shows so yeah I mean, your culture's a bit different does that make you, does an appearance by him or anyone make you want to go see the film? Or is it just a matter of them talking? I think it, it makes people aware of the film. I think it helps with awareness. I don't know how many people, if I walked down the street where I live and was like, do you know there's a new Leonardo DiCaprio film out? Do you know what it is? Do you know what it's called? I really don't know how many people would know that when I think they probably would in other circumstances. And, and I think that's that's fair. That's the that's the word I was going to ask you about is awareness. And so mm. a, awareness, yeah, okay. Um, I, I just I, maybe I'm different, and I think we've had this conversation before. I very, 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 very seldom go see a movie because actor X is in it. I'm, mm. I'm more interested in the story and what they're telling. And there are times that he, that mm. it might go the other way that if actor X is in it. I probably will wait and catch it sometime on one of the streaming services. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the data point. So let's go back into that because, as I say, Sean McNulty at The Wake Up put a bunch of interesting data in there. Um, he found that – so 44% who went to see Killers of the Flame, and I assume this is all U.S. data, uh, were under 30 years old. The children were into it. 27% were 25 to 34s. Um, and apparently it was the under 25s that liked it the most. It was split 62% men, 38% women. Um, if you want to get into the race element of it, it was 60% Caucasian, 17% Latino, 18, 8% so black, 8% Asian, 7% Native American, which is obviously a you know relevant demographic in and of itself and particularly relevant to this movie given the story. So all that's very interesting. My instinct is you're going to be right, and this is not going to have week two, three momentum. And by week four, five, it will have sort of faded out as people wait to see it on TV Plus. 
So is this just free money for Apple? Great question. So apparently it was a $200 million budget. And a $200 million. So basically they need to make $400 million at the box office. You think this is making $400 million at the box office, Chuck? Probably not. (laughs) I do not think so. Obviously that means a lot of work to do on TV+. I think the point the point for me though is this. I'm not sure Apple is doing this. I'm not sure it's doing Napoleon by Ridley Scott to make money. Apple has a lot of ways to make money and it cares about making money with services. We know that. It doesn't pretend otherwise. But what Apple really wants with TV Plus, particularly in Hollywood, is credibility. And having people like Scorsese, Neo DiCaprio, uh, Ridley Scott, that gives you Hollywood clout. And I think in this first rung of movies, that's what it really cares about. What do you reckon? I, I, I would agree completely. And that's why I said, is this free money? Is Because if these were just being produced for mm-hmm. Apple TV+, Plus, yes, they're going to draw some people in. But that's going to have to be an even larger number of tickets, excuse me, of subscriptions sold to justify it. Um, here, if you do it in, in the theaters, look, you have the benefit of us talking about it and other people talking about it that would probably not be as much if it were just on the streaming service. So mm. they're getting mm. some money back from uh, both of these that they, they wouldn't have if they had just done it straight to Apple TV+. Plus. You and I, I think it might have even been the first show we did on this, discussed whether people sign up for streaming services for movies or TV series. And I felt pretty strongly it was TV series and live sport was basically what drives subscriptions. And if there are good movies, then that's great too. Um, and this, I think, really plays into that because maybe short term, someone might pay, what is it, $7.99 or, what, or $9.99, whatever it is, for Apple TV Plus now. They've bumped up the prices a bit at one point. And they might think, do you know what? I really want to see this movie. I really like the class, the cast. It's directed by Scorsese. I'm going to watch this movie. It's a really interesting, powerful story. So I'm going to spend whatever it is, 10 bucks or, to watch the movie. But then I might not renew my Apple TV Plus subscription. They've saved from save it, seeing it in the cinema and might well not be bothering to keep a subscription, you know, retaining a subscription to TV Plus. Whereas I think you watch for the morning show, you're at least getting through two months of a TV Plus subscription, by which point you might well be in for quite a decent amount of time. Uh, that's That's a real good point. That's a real good point. So... Apple sort of has the best of both worlds. They're getting theatrical money, theatrical, theatrical release money, but they're also potentially benefiting from the, the power of the subscription. I guess so. But also, remember, theatrical release is very – you can't – this is an Oscar play, right? And you cannot um, be nominated for Best Picture unless you – there's very high now theatre release criteria to get into the Best Picture – so that's also important in this context. Like, it, it wants to win another Oscar, right? And I, I am not nearly well enough versed in the the movie industry to know off that forty four million what it costs Apple to get it into those theaters. Obviously, there's a percentage, yeah, of some kind. I, yeah, so, no, I, you know, but but I, I agree with you that 
if if the Oscars mean something, and they apparently do to a large portion of the audience, then absolutely, you know, then it's the game's out there, and you've got to play it at least until Apple can rewrite the, the rules to its its own liking. Well, let's talk about something we're not going to be seeing back on Apple TV Plus, and that is the third season of the problem with John Stewart. Now. The com- it seems like Apple TV and John Stewart have somewhat fallen out. I'm sure they would put it more diplomatically and in better Hollywood speak if they were to discuss it. But let's be blunt. So the issue seems so. Sorry, let's start because I think it was a pretty popular show on Apple TV Plus. Did you ever watch it? No, but I, I will do a full disclosure here. I was never a John Stewart fan. So when, when okay. I know it's a big deal and I know it was a big deal that he was on Apple TV plus, but it wasn't. It certainly day. was. So I, I adored Jon Stewart on the daily show. We used to get it here um, every day. It was available to watch. Um, we, I, we basically got it. I think the day after it aired in the U S for obvious time reasons, but you could watch it. Um, and it was great. I loved, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. I never liked the problem. I think I watched the first season of The Problem with Jon Stewart. And I never enjoyed it quite as much as The Daily Show because, for one thing, it wasn't funny. And to be fair to Jon Stewart, he never pretended it was meant to be. It absolutely wasn't. It's not a comedy show. He's, you know, he's quite deadpan. There are quite, they're funny monologues. But it wasn't, he was very clear that it was not meant to be The Daily Show. It was meant to be longer form, more in depth. Each show had a topic, and that's fine. Totally get it. That was his thing. But he is a very funny comedian, and without that, it lost a bit. And I have to confess, and I'm sure people will criticize me for this, I slightly felt we were being lectured at in it, and I find that quite tiring. Now, you know, there are some very good viral clips on it. He. I remember one clip, I don't want to tread into controversial waters over in the US, but, you know, there's one episode about gun control over in the US and he makes one very pro-gun, very pro-Second Amendment uh, politician look quite silly. He really, like, ties them up in knots. And, you know, if that's your point of view, that's very enjoyable to watch. But as a general rule, for me, it didn't quite pack the punch of what The Daily Show did. I never really got into it. But um, anyway, the controversy here seems to be a couple of episodes relating to AI and China. Now, you might be able to see why a company like Apple might be twitchy about such topics. Uh, AI, obviously, is a world it's going to be in. You know, that is what it is. China, to me, was the more interesting one, because this is not the first time Apple's relationship with China has come up, is it? No, you know, no we've seen, I, I remember some in-depth reporting from the information about it. And Tim Cook in particular is seen to be really at the center of navigating the complications that have come with being an American firm, a multi, but, you know, global firm, and navigating a relationship with China. He's basically a very good diplomat from what I've read on the subject, Tim Cook. But this is complicated, and Apple obviously freaked out a bit one way or the other. Um, Well, that's what it seems. I think that's the side that John Stewart's side would put forward anyway. So the question really is, does Apple have a right to curtail, quote, unquote, journalism in this way? What's your take? 
Um, so I'm, I'm a business guy. And so I've got to say you are. that Tim, Tim Cook is, he's the CEO of a business. And that business has to make decisions about who they're going to do business with and where and how. That said, and, and the best also, way to get that return for shareholders, right, right. And uh, that said, though, Apple has taken plenty of stances on politically sensitive issues, um, and mm-hmm. that sets certain expectations. Mm-hmm. Apple has been very clear. For, forgive about, me for intervening. No, but just I want to make one point because I think we're going to be saying the same thing. Uh, I mentioned Tim Cook and his responsibility to shareholders, which is absolutely right. But I also have been writing a piece about Apple and its approach to the environment. And if you read Leander Carney's uh, book, biography of Tim Cook, there's a point where Tim Cook really points out, I can't remember the quote exactly, but he basically tells, told a bunch of small C uh, conservative investors that if they were only in it for the money and basically didn't care about the environmental action Apple was taking, this was not the stock for them. So, your point is completely valid that there are some issues where Apple is happy to take a stance, even if it means taking a financial hit. And, and your point is completely valid when you said this is a complicated issue, because we also have the <laughs> fact that uh, some people would have Tim Cook and Apple going into China and trying to affect sh- social change. When Apple stated stated approach to doing business in any country is we will comply with the laws. And a lot of people, that that rubs a lot of people the wrong way, but it's good business. It's also good business to do certain things that Apple has done from a political standpoint, such as the environment. So Mm. I can't criticize. Part of the brand, isn't it? It's part of brand Apple. Well, it's part of brand Apple. It's, some some folks would say it's the right thing to do, and it probably is. Um, but it also is another approach to being efficient, you know. And one more time, I know I say it often, but Apple takes such a long view on so many things, and I think they that this is another place they're trying to take a long view. They are more effective at being at the table in China uh, to discuss some of these issues than saying, no, we're we're going to pull out or we're going to totally alienate China so they won't even talk to us. So I, I think this is the right yeah. approach. So the, the question is, the real fundamental, as I say, is whether Apple has the right to, apparently John Stewart, the quote I see in the, the Hollywood Reporter is that Saucy saying that he felt, quote, unquote, hamstrung by Apple. <laughs> You want to take Apple's money. You want to be on Apple's platform. They do have the right. This is a funny one for me because you know what I'm like with freedom of the press and freedom to report and freedom of journalism. I feel about those things very, very passionately. Um, We've talked about it on this show before. You know how I feel about this. You know how I, you and I have also laughed about the kind of notes we heard Tim Cook putting around into you know editorial kind of notes on certain shows i think there's the famous one i think of on the morning show tim cook passing a note to someone saying does there have to be so much swearing all that you know i guess if you want to take someone's money you have to ultimately play by their rules if john stewart wants to do independent completely independent journalism introduce yourself to youtube and like don't take the app money from apple 
I don't know. It is a hard one. I'm not sure. I, I don't know which side of this I come down on, if I'm really honest. And I might feel differently if I really loved the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, much to my surprise, first of all, who are you and what have you done with Charlotte Henry? Because this is not does not sound like the Charlotte Henry I know. But but I oh, how do you mean? Well, I I I expected you to stick up for John Stewart a lot more, but I I think there are certain well I, I do I I do have a lot of sympathy like I admire the sort of determination for freedom and journalistic integrity. I think that is really important. I think it's really I think Apple could be a great facilitator of that, given the mess we see media in generally. But we also know money talks. And there's not, you know, Amazon owns the Washington Post. Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post. Like, these things are not clear and simple at all. Um, and I, I do respect John Stewart's determination to try and get some, you know, journalistic independence. I do think that's important. And Apple and the executives in charge of TV Plus might have to ask themselves do they want to be bothered with these kind of shows in the future? Is it more trouble than it's worth? I think that will be what it comes down to. And, and I think you have to ask the questions, is Jon Stewart a journalist or is he an entertainer? And was this to be a journalistic uh, examination of things, his, his Apple TV Plus show, or was mm -hmm. it supposed to be an entertaining look at things? Or was it just supposed I, to be a ratings play because it was Jon Stewart and people were expecting more of The Daily Show? I think all of the above. I think they never pretended it was The Daily Show, but I think people wanted the Jon Stewart Daily from The Daily Show elements. I think he wanted to do what he would see as proper journalism and proper investigations and hired a team to do that. I think Apple wanted the ratings that come with having Jon Stewart and all that that brings with it. I think it was all of it. And for whatever reason, it clearly just has come to an end of working. I think it's a shame. Look, this was a show that got five Emmy nominations. Like, it wasn't a nothing. It mattered. People really did like it. But I don't know. I, well, and, the truth and is, if I had seen this show and Apple had let Jon Stewart have complete free reign, I'd have been really admiring it. You know that. That's the truth. But I also understand the messy reality. And and John, absolutely. I mean, from the little bit that I read about it, there was there are no contractual restrictions on him that he has to wait out his Apple TV Plus contract. It sounds mm -hmm. like they cut him loose. He can go and, as you said, go go to YouTube, um, buy a Vimeo channel, and then go crazy and you know do what you want, and then you will have the ability to talk about anything in any way you want, and you're not beholden mm -hmm. to anyone. But if on the other hand, let's we're talking about what what John Stewart would would was doing for Apple. What was Apple doing for John Stewart? They were giving him a platform. They were giving him a guaranteed audience and a lot of money and a lot and of money. much money. And so you know it it you you can't look at it in a vacuum. You know, so you got to go both ways. Mm -hmm. And as you said, you know, at some point, why am I going to be paying for somebody to beat me with a baseball bat? <laughs> well, I don't know, Chuck. Um, but yeah, it, I think it's a shame it's ended like this. I think there isn't a nice reflection on Apple. I think it's a probably a blunt reflection of reality 
I'll be kind of interested to see what John Stewart does with it all. It'll be interesting to see. Well, we've certainly got a lot to unpack. Hopefully next month, what we'll be doing, we'll must have a finish of the morning show. We'll, um, we'll, we'll, we'll have some more numbers, obviously, from Killers of the Flower Moon and probably the Ridley Scott movie we've talked about today. So there'll be a lot still to come from TV Plus Talk. So make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channels and you don't miss an episode of it because that would be a shame. It would absolutely be a shame. You know, but I, I just thought of one thing I do want to throw in. Um, Hit me. And, and I've lost his name, Tom, Tom Hanks. You remember the little incident mm. with Tom Hanks with uh, when he had I certainly the, movie, do. The, the movie out that, you know, ended up being on Apple TV Plus because the theaters were not well, open. Apple saved the movie. Apple saved the movie. And John, uh, Tom made a couple comments that and they, he had to walk those comments back. So, mm. you know, this this is not an unprecedented situation where Apple has exercised some some uh, influence. Yeah. So for people that don't remember, Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks movie. Uh, I've forgotten the name. It was the one, this one in the, when he was a captain at sea, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was about to come out in this, it was meant to come out in the cinema. Obviously, COVID ruined that. Um, Apple rescued it and agreed to put it out on TV+. Plus did a deal to put out on TV+, Plus. it wasn't charitable. Um, Tom Hanks then went on a couple of talk shows and was moaning that it wasn't going in cinemas. And then a couple of days, well, a day later, was told to uh, maybe be a bit more excited that your film is getting out on TV+. Plus. Yeah, so it's – Apple has the platform. <laughs> Apple has the platform. They – Tom yeah. wanted his movie distributed. John wanted to be on Apple TV+. Plus. Whether they whether Apple TV Plus outbids everyone or whether he wanted to mm-hmm. this, this the uh, the freedom that streaming gives him, uh, it's it's just I I think it's important to recognize that this is not the first time it's not going to be the last, and I guarantee yeah. you it happens at every network here in the UK and mm-hmm. around the world that somebody at the top mm-hmm. says wait a minute there there is a bridge too far. Mm-hmm. And look, it's going to be, it's a very difficult element of our modern media environment. Who owns what, you know, tech companies owning media, media companies owning tech. It's all a very, very messy thing now. And these are going to be the type of incidents that arise. Yep, you're right. You're right. But we'll be here to try to make sense of them or to inflame your opinions of them, depending on which way you see. Certainly, I'm feeling inflamed. Right. Where can people keep up with you, Chuck? Uh, over at macvoices.com. That's where I publish all the interviews I do with people in the tech space and beyond. And we also have a live show uh, Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, whatever time that is, wherever you are, at youtube.com slash TV. And on the socials, you can find me as at Chuck Joyner. And he's fully independent. I'm also fully independent over at theedition.net or sign up straight over at newsletter the .theedition.net. I'd particularly love you to take out a paid subscription because it helps keep me independent. Um, I'm all over social media as well, at Charlotte A. Henry or at Charlotte A. Henry. Obviously, do subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, the Edition's YouTube channel. And we'll see you all next month. Thanks for watching.